Let's Talk Crypto with Gabrielle Haynes. Hello, we're on with Andres, the founder of EtherCards, and Mark, the co-founder of Genomes. How are you guys doing today? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. Yeah, happy to be back. Well, um, I'm going, let's start with Andres. We've had Mark on before. So Andres, please give us briefly your background and then Mark. Sure. I'm in technology. I'm, I'm in technology for much longer than I want to remember. Uh, but uh, I started with blockchains in about 2013 when it Ethereum did not exist and Bitcoin was $10. We first built a Bitcoin ATM in the first one in Asia, and we released it in 2014. And then we wanted to build a system when anybody could build their or issue their own tokens. But there was no such thing. Ethereum did not exist. So we built one by forking Ripple. Uh, that went all right. Uh, the technology worked. But later that year, Ethereum beta came out in 2014. And it was so fundamentally better than what we built that we dropped our stuff and we started to work on Ethereum. So we have been working on Ethereum since technically day one, writing smart contracts and uh, and doing all kinds of projects with all kinds of people. Okay, I want to dig into that more, but Mark, please give us uh, your brief intro. Yeah, my background is academic. So uh, did a PhD in stem cell biology and genomics and then got pulled into the... Um, the technology world and the data world and and uh our story isn't quite as uh doesn't quite have the longevity of andres and the uh, EtherCards team but uh inspired by that we've 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 already seen the the evolution of you know ethereum did exist when genomes.io started but we've seen the evolution of um you know DeFi and nfts particularly in the last three years uh, so it's exciting to see what's coming next in the space, but it's it's already evolved a lot as we've been going. And how do you guys know each other? Well, oh yeah, so uh, obviously we we worked. Uh, we've been following the EtherCards folks for a long time. We uh, both went through a similar process with Consensus, and so we met back then. And um, yeah, it's uh, we're we're at slightly different stages, but we've we've. Uh, We've hung out in San Francisco in the past and uh, hopefully looking forward to a post-COVID world when we can uh, hang out together. Now we're actually working together in a much more joined up way, or I should say that Genomes.io is making use of the EtherCards platform in a much more joined up way. All right, we're going to... Go ahead, go ahead, Andres. No, I just wanted to mention that sounds like it was like two lifetimes ago that we that we met in San Francisco. Everything Before... pre-COVID is two lifetimes ago. I was going to say four lifetimes ago was when Bitcoin launched, right? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. How did you how did you get interested in Bitcoin so early? Me? Yeah. Um that wasn't very early. Bitcoin early. I actually I actually okay, uh I don't I don't think I ever told this story before, but uh, I was working at a startup before and that that, that startup it was like 2011. And at that startup, I had a sysadmin who's, who told me about Bitcoin in 2011, that Andras, we should use the, the servers during the night to mine this Bitcoin thing. And I said, ah, don't bother. Uh, and uh, he, he, retired, uh, he retired about five years ago. 
I think, I think <laughs> that's the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was told and I dissed Bitcoin when it was like 10 cents. And, um, and I, I started to rediscover it and, and work with it when it was like on the year, the year when it went from $10 to like $1,000. What attracted, just, I, what attracted you to it? I mean, what was interesting? That, that is definitely the potential in the technology that, uh, that you, could, you could transfer value or transfer proof of value without any third parties. That was definitely the thing. That was actually, that is the most important part of the technology that you could actually make a direct transfer between two people and, and you don't need a third party to, to approve it or, or prove it. Yeah, absolutely. Peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash, right? Uh, and, and, and basically electronic proof of anything, uh, basically making, making this huge distance between, uh, between people into, into like a direct conversation or a direct like handing over, over cash or, or proof of something. And ever since, this is the actual value of the technology, and the rest is just fluff and hype. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. What I mean, you, but it seems like you, you noticed this that that not only value is what's important. There's something else, and so I mean, what what, what did you want to create that? you know, motivated you to fork Ripple and try to make like some sort of, you know, network with all these va different values on it? Uh, once Bitcoin was out and actually was proven that it was working, there was a lot of, lot of uh, efforts to make it more accessible, not Bitcoin itself, but the, but the underlying value of Bitcoin. So a lot of other coins like, like Filecoin, uh, I'm sorry, that came much later, Namecoin and similar, similar uh, coins came alone, which was you had to fork the whole Bitcoin stuff, modify a little bit on the top, and then convince a lot of people to mine it. So it was kind of extremely difficult to apply the same technology into something slightly different. So we wanted to build something at that stage that would, that would take away the effort. All you, you only need to focus on the coin that you wanted to issue, but not on the underlying technology. You would not have to actually uh, convince a lot of miners to keep it secure, but just to, to do what you, what you actually needed for your particular use case. So it's kind of like a, a, an ultra proto Ethereum in some ways. And Ripple did have the right idea by creating this, this system where you could issue tokens, but we wanted to make sure that, it's, it's not, that it cannot be pumped and dumped. So we removed XRP from it. And we, uh, we also wanted to make sure that it's a little bit more uh, private. So we built in ring signatures from Monero. And then anybody could actually issue their own tokens. And there was a lot of, a little bit more privacy and a lot more uh, uh, accountability. Okay. I'm curious at that time, did you have a vision of what people could build on this platform? Like, did you yes. have any ideas? At that time, it was it was a very simple, simplistic platform uh, compared to today's Ethereum. Basically, all you could all, only the only thing you could build is or issue is like ERC twenty 
type tokens. No smart contracts, you could have some rules, but no smart contracts, only tokens. So obviously, the what came to mind is is use cases around payment systems or uh, or like like uh, you know loyalty points or any other kind of thing where an ERC twenty a fungible token would make sense. So we were focusing on that and we were gearing up to create payment systems and and similar stuff. Got you, got you. Okay. Now, Mark, I didn't forget about you, but I'm going to continue with Andres here. I want to continue getting the background, how we got to the Ether cards. Eventually, when you get to consensus, I want to hear about both your sides. But so you started, you recognized Ethereum was trying to do something that was, um, you know, different than Bitcoin with token values, with transfer, stuff like that. So you started working. What, what did you start working on? Like, like, did you get in contact with uh, Lubin? Like, what was the what was the situation? Uh, at that time, at that time, uh, we 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 had a, a a fundamentally different product, basically a completely separate project from what we are doing now. At that time, we were building a a system where you could feasibly and meaningfully connect physical objects with NFTs. Mm-hmm. So, so we we built a system and we demoed a system where you could actually physically connect a, a physical object with an NFT without this weird duality that uh, many many systems have or had, where you could have the token and Mark can have the physical object, and that is kind of makes the token rather meaningless. So we built something with uh, with technology where you could not separate the token from the physical object. And, uh, and that was interesting, but at that time, nobody, nobody really cared about NFTs. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could. That was I like three see. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up until three months ago, nobody cared about NFTs, right? So <laughs> About so, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. So um, that product, didn't really go so far, I assume. Um, and then you pivoted into either cards or a different business. What, what was going uh, on? a lot of different things? But we basically that before that it was again like three years ago. Geez, and uh, we really quickly went through the yay we can put a JPEG on a token phase, and we wanted to see what else we can do with the technology. So that's why this physical uh, physical object. Uh, uh, project came out, ticketing systems came out, and a lot of, lot of other things that we started to build around uh, around uh, uh, NFTs. But again, there was not not much interest in uh, to that yet. So we wanted we we be, we were uh, doing a lot of different projects, and we eventually we got uh, uh, a fund uh, uh, from the Ethereum Foundation to build a educational system using NFTs to create a, a much more flexible educational system where you could actually build communities that could create and maintain high quality uh, uh, teaching and educational material online. And you could actually incentivize them. It went well, but it was missing an extremely important part of business model. And when we try to see in what else we can do to to, to get money for the project because because a grant is is fantastic but it's not going to ensure the longevity of the of a project we realize that for many things if you are building an open source uh, project on the blockchain 
unless you are doing a financial project, it is not easy to get funded. If you are doing a financial project, DeFi, similar, it's fairly easy. It's much more easier to get funded either by the communities or by, by, by VCs. But if you are doing something with the blockchain that is not necessarily uh, financial based, you have a much more difficult uh, situation. So we wanted to build something which could actually create a business model, uh, an alternative way of funding and monetizing a project that is fundamentally useful, but not necessarily financial based. And it's built on the blockchain. So, so, you, uh, so by definition and by design, you made it clear that you are not going to sell your customer data, which is sometimes, many times, when you are, I'm sorry, when you are looking for VC funding, that's what they're looking for. What is interesting is the customer uh, data, not your project. So, uh, so we wanted to build a, a system using NFTs. I had an idea to build a system using NFTs that could provide a funding and monetization mechanism for use cases that are more difficult to, uh, to fund and monetize in a more traditional ways. So that, the original idea was actually to, to, to build something for projects like Mark's project and for open source projects, open ecosystem projects that where monetization is a challenge. And when we built it, we realized that what we built could actually be used for way more. So it, can, it turned out that it could be used for any project, for any person with a community. As long as you had a community around you, that actually cared about what you built, then you could actually utilize this, uh, this framework, this platform that we built, and you can engage your community, grow your community, and provide value to your community. And in return, your community will provide value for you with a, with a, with a, with a rather blunt word, you could actually grow, engage, and monetize your community, even if you are not doing something that is traditionally fundable by, by VCs or by traditional means. So that's what we built. And then we figured out that it is actually working. We got athletes, artists, uh, galleries, a lot of different people with community looking for ways to, to create this engagement and create a funding and monetization method that is actually usable for them. And uh, so when we launched back in March, we did, we did very well. We did very well in the launch. We, we sold our own tokens, basically establishing our own community. And we started to utilize our own system and we started to use ourselves as our own pilot. So we were building the system, the framework, and we were using it to engage our own community and building our own community. And again, we managed to build an incredibly good community, but we also, because of the early success, we got, uh, we got a lot of requests from our side. So we got some visionary people like Lamelo Bo, the basketball player. We started to work with Steve Aoki. We started to work with Mike Tyson. We started to work with 70 plus artists, including Dirty Robot, uh, Mark McKenna, and a lot of other fantastic artists who were utilizing the system. And, uh, we, and our focus is right now is to deploy our self-service platform 
when people can come and create and monetize and engage their own communities without us having to directly being involved. Yeah, okay. I want to dive in deeper to the different people that are utilizing the platform. Before sure. that, I want to get that experience um, from consensus from both of your perspectives. Um, at that time, they were funding a lot of different projects. They had a lot of money. They were The foundation sold the top of Ethereum and they had all this cash. They were able to invest into the ecosystem. So from, you know, from both of your perspective, I mean, how did you get you know, involved over there? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? What kind of support did they give you? Just curious. Yeah, I think this is more relevant on our side of things because as Andres mentioned, they've kind of pivoted to a whole new thing. And so it's a completely separate thing there, but it's it's where we met. And um, on our end, uh, the interesting thing for us, so we, we went through their accelerator, obviously it comes with a bit of funding, but it also comes with, uh, a good exposure to a lot of people in the in the space and when i look back now and try and uh, you know accelerate that to where we are and and the advice that they gave us um we at genomes have a a, a pretty complex tech stack in that it's trying to be the middle of the venn diagram on genomics uh th this thing before that uh, andras mentioned a little bit more privacy and a lot more accountability well, we need a lot more privacy because that's what we're, we're built on. You know, you need to secure people's medical data. And so the that, that was good to speak to experienced folks in the space who could, you know, we had Dan Finley from MetaMask there and we, you know, we hung out with the Dharma folks who came up, coined the term DeFi. And so it was very early days on that level, but they were still very good about uh, respecting the what needs to come first, you know. We're doing our tokenization now, three years later, because they said to us, you need to get that tech stack sorted first. Don't go chasing the quick money in uh, 2017. Uh, to that, you know, get your tech stack sorted, because if you mess that up, then you're not a viable product, right? So it has to be a lot of privacy and a lot more accountability. And then the, those ideas you can build on. But the, the, the they were nothing but good to us, and they've continued to be so. The, I'm guessing that they don't have such plush co-working spaces in San Francisco anymore as the, as the world has moved on a little bit. But yeah, um, it was a, it was a great experience, mainly for the community building. But as, as I mentioned before, I think the idea that how fast the space has moved on and how just a few concepts that are relatively simple ideas like, well, like the NFT space and the DeFi space has moved it to a place where you can say, uh, you know, both EtherCards and Genomes have different governance structures. There is going to be tokens, but we're going to have a utility token and a governance token. Uh, you can build your own company how you want it to be built using the tools. There's a lot of flexibility in there. And uh, consensus were always, uh, for us, um, very positive to do that. Whereas, you know, traditional VCs, if you said we're going to start a DAO, might be like, what the hell's a DAO? You need to have 400 meetings about what a DAO is with the lawyers before you do anything further. So, um, yeah, only positive from our side, but yeah, it, it, it led to some good good connections as well as just, uh, as I imagine, going to all of the conferences that everybody's been going to recently, starting becoming up again is the way to go. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you mentioned uh, consensus as a tool. I think EtherCards is trying to be a tool as well. So uh, explain to me from the beginning what, what the first uh, step was. I actually participated in the sale, so I'm, I'm uh, familiar with it. I bought the, not the top, but the second and the third tier cards. Um, I don't know whenever that was, six months ago or something. Um, so yeah, so tell me about doing the sale, how you felt during that period. I'm sure it was very overwhelming and uh, let's, we'll start from there. I think overwhelming is 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 a serious understatement. Uh, I think it's uh, we we I I feel that we nearly died multiple times uh, of exhaustion, and in general, I felt that we are living in a nuclear explosion in slow motion, in in many ways, and uh, there. There were rough times at the beginning. There were really rough times, but due to the help of several people, more experienced people who, who, who found us and started to help us uh, uh, at that time and gave us the right help at the right time. One of them, I, I have several to mention, but one of them is is texture. Uh, one of the original original ethereum ogs uh, who helped us to to turn around and create this community uh, that is supportive uh, that was that was very useful and uh, we also had to make some very very tough decisions at the beginning for example uh, for example we decided to start to work with uh, with uh, people who came to utilize our platform instead of focusing on the self-service platform. So we actually focused on getting the, the, the system for Lama Lobol out, getting the system for Steve Alco out, getting the system for Dirty Robot and for, and for uh, uh, Mike Tyson out. Because what, what we wanted to show uh, good examples of how the system would work and then we focus on the on the on the platform and that needed a lot of patience and understanding from the community as well which we were very fortunate to get and uh, so yeah basically now we we technically said no more no more cooperations no more collaborations until we get the self service platform out because once we have the platform out we could actually issue 10 times more of the of the system uh, and that's what we are doing now. There is one more important thing that we had to delay and we are doing now. Back in the day, back in February, because of some excellent advice, we we, we acquired 20 CryptoPunks, uh, 30, I'm sorry, 30 CryptoPunks. And uh, we promised to the community that we're going to give it away to the community. And we are doing that we are distributing the CryptoPunks in the within the next seven days to the EtherCars community. So we are talking about 30 CryptoPunks, which is, uh, I don't know the current floor, but uh, it's not insignificant. At least or so per punk, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
tell me um, about the system that you've developed. Um, let's maybe go case by case. I think Lamelo Ball was the first one. Sure. Um, so basically, as I understand it, you were able to purchase an NFT of Lamelo Ball, and as he performed, based on if he won particular awards, Rookie of the Year, MVP, yeah. whatever it is, then uh, that NFT uh, would be upgraded. Um, so, yes, like, what is, is the what is the incentive for Lamelo Ball? Why, why does he care? Like, why does he even want to do this? And um, what do the like what do the fans get out of this whole experience? I don't I don't want to put. Uh words into Lamelo Ball's mouth, why or or what does it get out of it? But my understanding, and again, this is my subjective understanding, that uh, he, he actually claimed that he wants to see whether he can actually put his career on the blockchain in terms of, and basically creating, creating a supportive and engaging community that can support him through, uh, throughout his career. And he wanted to use these, uh, these, these NFTs uh, as the tools. So he, he created cards that indeed react to real world events and, uh, and change when something happens. Also, he is using, utilizing technically every facet of our platform. He is using drop rooms, trades, forges, and a lot of other things. Trades are things that you can put on the cards, and those are things that you can actually engage with. It's like a button on the card, and you you can get a discount. You can even get a meeting with the potentially with Lamelo Ball, you can get an upgrade to, let's say you buy a ticket to his to his game and you can get upgraded. You will get, you can get, if you have the right trade on the card, you can, for example, get a, a redeemable trade, meaning you have a trade and you can burn that trade and receive a jersey from his, uh, from his uh, merchandise store. So a lot of different ways that can engage the community and a lot of different ways that can give value to the community. And we are not necessarily talking about uh, monetary value, value that they actually appreciate and, uh, and, 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 and want. And, and that's, that's what he started to do. And he's pretty much using technically everything that we can, we can, uh, we can provide as of today. And also, this is an ongoing project. We are constantly working with them and implementing and developing new stuff for them. So it's not something that was done once and then sold. Just, just to touch on that a second, I think this is where, when I spoke before about the idea of simple ideas expanding to in ways that you couldn't imagine you know uh, this is where the inter internet started right it was for academic data sharing but the idea of being able to uh work in a certain way or being able to edit the internet became social media right uh or wikipedia it, just that idea of the forge that ether cards have done you think that that's uh i, I know that there's very interesting like there's ways in which you can combine NFTs together to get a yeah. super NFT, which is the obvious yeah. one. But then yeah. depending on your community and where you're coming from, you know, what, what Andras was saying before about the uh, having a well-powered community and Ethercast has one of the best communities I've seen in the space, you know, that we've we've uh, tried to, you know, mimic and, and, and enable a, a, a genomes.io. And when we had our, our pre-seed, uh, pre 
it's it's that idea of getting people involved and then having them have a say in what goes on. So there's a private Discord group for for those folks. And you know, things like the people have mentioned in the past the idea about forging, you know, if I have my own personal data, could I if I bring in my family, could I have could I forge them to have a family one in the future and get better trade, better, better rewards and things like this in a monetary sense. And it's it's something that seems so abstract and so far away from what EtherCard is doing that you've been forging together medical records of a family. But it's just if you apply simple uh, kind of concepts and then have somebody from, if you had a lawyer think about it, I'm sure they'd come up with a way to use it in a very similar way very quickly as well. I can show examples if you if you'd like if I may if I may share my screen, then uh, I can actually show what we did for different uh, different parties. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, go 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 for it. Okay, let me let me see share screen. Uh, you need to enable me to share screen. Okay, then I will enable you. Okay, go for it. Thank you. So let me see. Let's let's go this. Let's do this one. Share. Okay, so so for example, this is this is what we did together with Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki is is, is a multidisciplinary artist. Obviously, he is he is a musician, but he does animations. He does visual art as well. So one of the things that we did, we 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 created four just together, and in this way, it's a very simple mechanism. You need to for this one particular one, you need to have two very specific NFTs. One is called distorted reality, and the other is called fighting gravity. You drop them here after you connect in your wallet, and then you can redeem this one, bridge over uh, troubled water, which cannot be redeemed in any other way. So basically, it's kind of a sort of a puzzle. You need to find the appropriate NFTs or groups of NFTs, put them into the right place, and then you get your reward. So this is a way to reward your uh, your uh, your, your people. This is being used by multiple of our uh, clients. Uh, Lamello is coming up with a forge. Also, the, the card that we built for Dirt Robot, he's an incredibly talented artist. Uh, he's he's he has a series called Seasons, and this is the summer summer uh, season. And in this one, what you get is is four cards. Each of the four cards has two versions, the day and the night version. If you have a day and the night version in your wallet, you can forge them together and you get a version which animates, which changes its color based on your local time. And then you will get the four animated ones, then you can put them together in the space forge and create the final version, which is this big NFT, which basically the four cards put together and it will it will change its color scheme from the early morning during the day it will change it to uh, to the late night and then when you get one many of these versions will actually have a lot of extra traits on them and as you can see this is actually an open sea so what we do is the dynamic nature of the cards can be retained even if you are looking at them on OpenSea. So this particular card, for example, has a print rate. You can burn this rate and receive a high quality print from the artist with the artist's uh, signature. And then this print will, uh, this rate will burn. So it's an interesting thing 
you can have a card with the trade and probably it's worth more, or you can burn the trade, make your card worth less, but you receive a physical uh, thing. And then other things like this one, where it provides you uh, the opportunity to have a one-on-one -on -one session with the artist. So you can, you can burn this trade to meet with the person whose art you admire. And again, that's what I'm saying that the trades are not necessarily uh, monetary value. This is something that that can that that is much more than than money can buy for you many times. Uh, or this one is monetary. You can get a ten percent discount on his next drop. Or or this one you can actually redeem a digital thing. You can redeem another NFT that cannot be redeemed in another any other way. Again, the choice is yours. You don't redeem it. Keep it on your card or you redeem it, you have it, but then your card will be less uh, valuable. So these are some of, some of the mechanics that we built to, to make, make it en uh, engaging for a specific community. So I just want to ex understand exactly what the offering is. So uh -huh. these clients, Steve Aoki, Dirty Robot, they come to you and they say, we want to develop this NFT. And so you create for them, basically, you've created the platform for them to basically upload the art, and then you're able to make these uh, integrations with the forge, you know, combining things and uh, the traits and stuff like that. Now, the website is something that they create or something you create or some collaboration. Right now, right now, this, these are very high, um, how do you call it, uh, high maintenance collaborations. We work with them a lot. Yeah. But what we are aiming for is to make it very low maintenance, but offering most of this functionality in a platform where anybody can go and do it for themselves. Like the, the, our final goal is to create a platform where everything that we can build, you can build as well without talking to us. So when it comes to that, it's, it's going to be at least three things. The, the traits, the forges and layers, Let, if I may. So these are the cards that we actually created for ourselves back in March. You are very familiar with this. You probably know that this, the first 10 cards are the creator cards. These are not on the market. And then the OGs come, which, uh, which is also sold out. Uh, but what, what, you, what you, as you know, what you, what you have on them is... Uh, is something we call the accidental collaboration, which is basically a layered art uh, on the back, uh, on the cards, which was created by 15 different artists providing five layers, which were randomly added to the cards. But the platform that is coming up, you will be able to define, oh, you can say, okay, I, need, I will need five layers or I will need eight layers. On the first layer, I have this kind of variation. The second layer, this one. Third layer, this one. Fourth layer, this one. So basically, you can build and design your own generative or collaborative or, or uh, art. And then you should be able to, uh, mm. with this feature only, you should be able to recreate like 99% of the NFTs, NFT series out there. And on top of this, it will come the traits that can be very specific to your project. And then the forges that uh, if traits interact with one single card, you can, you can think about forges inter interacting with multiple cards. 
And from these tools, you should be able to design something that is that is uh, that is appealing to your community. You provide them stuff, and in turn, they will provide you stuff. Got you, got you. Um, okay. Well, I'm curious, Mark. Have you been? You've obviously been thinking about this a lot. I'm just curious what, how you would look to implement um, on top of this platform for genome. You kind of mentioned already, but like, what are some yeah. of the things that you think you could do? It also, it also raises the point here as well that there's loads of cool stuff we can do. You should really think about some of these things in a it's an emerging technology front right so you really need to think of them some of them through so you know one good example is it costs uh the uh, as we've spoke about before the human genome um everybody has it and it's a, it's in every um cell in your body but you don't necessarily want it to be out there in the public because people can use it against you so one of the things that uh, the genomes.io platform is relying on is um, we it's this three layers of, of DeFi right or two layers of DeFi it's it's earning passive income you lock your genome in a vault pharmaceutical companies will say hey we'll give you 50 bucks if we can ask this one question of your genome yes or no then you have the second this is what I was talking about companies before then you have the 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 company structure so you can say hey if you stake that token you can, if you put it in an LP pool, you can earn some governance token. And then if you stake the governance token and we know you're, you're a valued member of the community who wants to be involved, it's more than a share certificate, you can contribute, then you get an extra layer of rewards as well. You get a boost on the original things. And so that in itself is, is quite a big idea to think through. And then if you think about the NFT space, one of the things that we know we need is 10,000 genomes in vaults is when the big pharmaceutical companies have told us that then that's when they want to start querying. This, we found this out three years ago, 10,000 genomes. It just so happens that a lot of NFT projects have how many things in them, right? Uh, total, total fluke. But th th we could do a, a, you know, it's $400 to get your genome sequence. So if we wanted to get to a critical mass of 10,000 fast, we could say, do you know what? If, uh, you know, it's what, 0.1 of an ETH? It's not ridiculous. Buy an NFT for 0.1 of an ETH and you'll get your genome sequence. You can hand it off to your friends. So, you you, you know, it's an NFT or retaining pri privacy there. You don't have to have uh, much more. You don't have to put your first name, last name in, things like this. And then on in terms of traits, you could have things like, um, you know, you, you're incentivized to get rewards like uh, Ether Cards is going to have dust on cards. You could have Gene or Gnome. You could get that as kind of like a, a prize into the space. So that's the very easy way in. And then you start thinking about what else you can do. And, and I think it comes back to this kind of provability and um, access. And if you think about how medical records are failing, you know, just in everyone's day-to-day -day life right now, it's where you really need to start questioning how much money, how much information you want to release, because you know you see people walking around with um, "I don't have to get vaccinated or wear a mask because I've got a badge," right? I'm pretty sure I could fake those because the ones I've seen are just like laminated cards, right? So I could fake that pretty easily. So you could have it as a trait that you say, "Oh no, it's provable by my genome that I am one of those people," which sounds like a good idea. Unless Gabriel says to me, hey, Mark, I'll give you 500 bucks for that card. 
it's an NFT, right? I can just transfer my medical traits over to you. So there's there's really interesting ideas for how we get started with it and how we build up the community and how we can reward that community. Um, and then the second element that we always have to be thinking about is how do we make sure that we're not creating perverse incentives within the system as well. But there's, there's loads of stuff like that. I mean, like the stuff on the... Um, I think the generative art side of NFTs is a really interesting one for your genome. Your genome is unique. You can do a hash of it so it maintains privacy and then generate an NFT. And you might have the coolest NFT based on your genome. That's cool. Or you can have, you know, artwork created. You have people who print off, uh, you know, sweaters with your genome across it. We could do all kinds of merch, stuff like that. But I think by the point we're getting to that stage of the conversation, we're we're a lot further down than we need to than we need to be right now. Yeah, just uh, selling an NFT that says that has a trait, burn this trait, and get your genome sequenced. I mean, even that just simply enough is is good enough to start, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. And then because of the tokenomics side of things you can incentivize people why wouldn't i just use my cash and spend over here well if you buy an nft you 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 know we're gonna throw some of our tokenomics into the system so you could end up you know getting 10 times your reward back in gene token or gnome token right so there's ways to incentivize a community yeah so um tell me about the dust token andres what is uh what is the what's the deal with this <clears throat> Dust is, uh, it's, it's, it's basically, the naming is kind of silly. Then you have a physical collectible, like, like some of like this, you put it onto the shelf behind you for, uh, for three months. What does it do? It collects dust. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> So what we that what we are what we are uh, releasing very soon is that Ether cards, the original Ether cards, yes, yours as well, will collect dust, and dust is ERC twenty, and can be used for for many great things. For example, if you have enough, you can you can redeem or you can exchange it for. Uh, for some of the NFTs that we have in the dust pools, which could be could be a CryptoPunk, could be a maybe, could be other uh, other NFTs coming from from other drops, or you can use dust to to uh, reserve upcoming NFT drops. Like we had, we ha I have sh I have uh, I showed you Dirty Robots Summer, Dirty Robots Autumn. Winter and spring are coming. Summer sold out in 28 minutes. Without much advertising, it was just the community basically went down and 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 bought it up. So if you don't want to miss uh, autumn, if you want don't want to miss uh, winter, you can use your dust from your cars to prepay for those drops. And when the drop comes, you get your NFT. No need to worry about gas costs. You don't need to do the gas wars. You will. You basically reserved your your uh, your upcoming drops. <clears throat> so dust will be useful within our ecosystem for a, for a lot of great uh, great many things. You can upgrade your cards. You can upgrade your discount on your cards. 
and a lot of other things. So basically gamifying the cards itself, themselves. And the dust, and the dust tokens could actually be utilized on the cards as well that were created with the Ether cards platform. So, yeah, I understand it kind of uh, runs the Ether cards economy and kind of the glue yes. in between in many ways. Um, yeah. Are you thinking about uh, any metaverse integrations? Uh, that's a big part of NFTs or the future of NFTs. Yes, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, we've got plans. We started to work on it, but I'm not ready yet to, uh, to go deeper into that. But, but yes, absolutely. Like it, it is in inevitable. What we want to build is something that can be utilized by all the, all the surrounding uh, uh, parts of the ecosystem. We want to start to build the same kind of Lego blocks for NFTs and community building that is DeFi is doing for, for finance. So what we are building is not uh, uh, an NFT marketplace. We are building a community building and engagement uh, uh, platform that is happen to be using NFTs. Right, right, right. It's it's really at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a tool for people to take initiative and to create things on top of. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the following. We talked about artists and and uh, and uh, actors and and sportsmen who has already a big community. But let's say you are an open source developer. You can you want to build something. For example, you want to build a a, a VPN, distributed VPN on the blockchain, open source. You can say, hey, I want to build this VPN. I'm going to issue one thousand cards. If you buy one of these, you will give me the, the 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 bootstrap the initial amount of fund that i can actually focus on and build it and once the system is up and running you will get a 50 percent discount on the service forever so uh, i i said this uh, you said these nfts people who wants to use a platform like this a system like that a service what you are building they will buy it and once your, your, your platform is up and running, they will be in a very good position. They can use a 50% discount card for eternity. But if they don't want to use the platform, then they can just sell it because it's an NFT. Of course, you, as running a service now, you cannot keep issuing 50% discount cards because that's not something any business can actually survive. So what you do from that on, you issue a different set of cards that will give you 5% discount for three months. Or you give you uh, give the owner a half an hour time slot that they can utilize to talk with you because you are an expert in distributed system and NFTs. Or, or give, them, give them something else that makes sense in the terms of your particular project and system. Do you have any concerns about regulatory issues? Because in a situation where it's like, okay, I'm selling this up front, you get 50% off later, someone might say that's like an ICO type thing. I mean, I don't know, is this something that concerns you? <clears throat> If you are in the blockchain space and you are not concerned about regulations, then you are doing something wrong. Fair enough. <laughs> no, it also, makes sense. 
makes sense. It's also, it's also true on the ethics side of things, right? If you have this, this is, I think, a lot of when we're talking about regulatory stuff, it's a, it's just what is the ethics behind the whole thing? And I think the idea of having a system that controls access, but it, you know, it the, the provability and the the don't trust verify workflows means that a lot of the ethics are transparent from the get go. And so, uh, but yeah, uh, don't trust uh, verify, but employ as many lawyers as you can who understand what you're talking about. Very, very, very wise advice. And what we are trying to build is, we call it platform as a service. So we are not trying to build a marketplace or a centralized system. If you utilize the ATR Cars platform, it is yours. Smart contracts are used. You can, you can, you, you run the website websites as well. So it's, it's, it's a tool set. It's going to be an open source tool set, a platform as a service that even if for some reason ether cards go down, dirty robots cards will, will keep functioning. Right, 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 right. Yes, um, I mean, the, the, I mean, I asked about regulatory issues. Up until now, it feels like NFTs are in a different boat than tokens for whatever reason. Uh, people just have that different perception, even it, if it's yeah. almost exactly the same thing at the end of the day. No, I don't think it's 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 rather different. It's like uh, uh, the difference is 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 more like that. If you have two dollars, obviously the two dollars are exchangeable. If you have a headset and another headset, they are both headsets, but they are not interchangeable. So that is that is a huge difference from from multiple point of view. NFTs are technically like physical objects. They are just virtual, but they are as ownable and as destroyable as, as physical objects. So there is there there is indeed a big difference uh, between between the two, and I think it is important because the use case is very different for uh, for both. I'm going to ask you a very broad question. Sure. What is the future of NFTs? Uh, the future of NFTs, let, let me give you the present of NFTs. It is a present of NFTs, people just don't, did not uh, realize it. So when the internet happened and kind of happened for all of us, all the creative people on the internet suddenly realized that they have an audience of 3.5 billion people. Amazing. But also the same internet robbed them from being able to monetize their own creativity. And what NFTs are bringing back <clears throat> is the ability to, 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 to monetize your creativity. You could be an artist, a service provider, uh, an actor, a writer. NFTs could be and will be the tools that can actually become this missing part of this puzzle that will enable you again to monetize directly your creativity towards your audience. And what EtherCards is building is the tool set for that. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I'm, well, you know, I'm very personally excited about NFTs, obviously. I'm working on an NFT project. Um, and it kind of ties into something that you were saying earlier. I'm not going to give too many details right now, but basically, 
You said earlier that you were working on this idea of having a physical object tied with an NFT. Up until now, it hasn't been super popular to do that. We've had Unisocks. I mean, that obviously has taken off very big. But other than that, there isn't a ton. I mean, is that a lack of technology? Is it just people not innovating in that way? What do you think it is? There are two ways to connect uh, physical objects with NFTs. One is easy way. One is the redeemable way. So you have an NFT and you have something on the NFT, as we do, do with many of our partners, you can click on that thing. It will take you to a website. You put in your shipping address and, and whatnot, and you will get that physical object. That is, that is, uh, that is easy because this is, this is a, a non-permanent way. It's a temporary connection. Permanent connection is more difficult because, again, as we discussed, that you, you, you cannot usually prevent the NFT token to have a different owner than the physical object. And that kind of makes this whole system useless. We solved it, and it can actually be solved with technology. And, uh, and basically, the solution is not that difficult. As long as you have an NFC chip that is, that is uh, strong enough and smart enough so you can program it in a way that it can generate its own Ethereum wallet and will not disclose the private key ever, only the public address. You can actually, as long as you can embed that NFC chip into an object, you can send the NFT into that onto that address. So technically, the object owns its own NFT, and you only own the NFT by proxy. Because you own the object, object owns NFT. You can interact with the NFT because you can interact with the object. You can have your phone tap into it. And as long as it's programmed correctly, the object can actually update the NFT. It will not transfer it, but it can update the NFT. But in this way, you can have an NFT, which is being owned by the object, and you own the object. And in this way, you can actually create a permanent connection between a token and an object. And that's what we did three years ago. That's pretty interesting. Um, I just met a guy who put a chip in his hand. And every time you would get your iPhone close to it, it would mint basically generate an NFT and it would send it to your wallet. Do you want me to comment on that? Are you looking? Do you have a chip in your hand? <laughs> I will never have a chip on my hand, in my hand. Not over, only over my dead body, you will put a chip in my hand. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, but yes. I do have objects with chips like this one. This is a beautiful piece of thing that I got in the last DEF CON from, from this, uh, this genius who created it. And uh, oh, I don't box. know what's, uh, yeah, and you can see it actually has electronics on it. Okay. So this is, a, this, is, this is an object with an NFC system that is smart enough and strong enough to actually hold, uh, hold tokens on it. I'm, yeah. I'm very much okay with that. Got it, but no biohacking. But, but this is the closest the chip will, will, will get to my 
I want uh I just want a tour of your desk. You keep pulling crazy stuff out of there. What? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got a lot of. Sh- I mean, I've got a lot of shelves and uh, and like seven years in the ecosystem. So there is a lot of things laying around here. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, I want to move to wrapping up the conversation here, but uh, a couple last questions. If you had a billboard in a highly trafficked area, Times Square, what would you put on it? Be kind. I like it. Be kind. Be kind. Very good. Um, Do you have an answer for that question, Mark? I was purely thinking from a business point of view and anything. I'm glad that I didn't have to go first. Yeah, I didn't realize that Andras was going to go John Lennon on us, but <laughs> yeah. Bye, Gino. <laughs> yeah, bye, Gino. Yeah, no. Hey, no, I, I, the, the thing that I keep having to tell people that is, as I say, because we're working in a niche, what's seemingly a niche field is this idea that you know, people always ask us, genomic sequencing is new. I mean, that's not going to affect me. I'm, I'm not into that bio stuff. And it's, it's everybody on the planet is going to get their genome sequenced in our lifetime. And that, so that's what I put, just to get that message into people's head. That, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Or, or a crypto punk, because that seems to be the cool thing to do. <laughs> I need to get a crypto punk first. And I think that's a long way away. <laughs> That's how much dust you can collect. Maybe exactly. Just, there you, you go. Earn one right all, there. It's all, it's all interlinked. Um, yes. So, Andres, after the listener heard this conversation, how would you like them to take action? I think I think the best would be to obviously to join our community. Uh, I, I do believe that what we are building it is it's going to be way beyond the hype and way beyond the NFTs. And uh, anybody or any entity with a uh, with a with a community can can use this system. So I want them to because we only have, as usual, only have ten thousand of these cards, and I'm pretty sure there are more than ten thousand ten thousand more than ten thousand projects and businesses in the world that uh, that can engage and grow their communities. So. I think uh, I want them to 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 come to our website, uh, join our Discord, and potentially pick up one of the cards. Okay, I have a card. What should I do? Um, follow us, and if you if you have the time, uh, be engaged in the community, and uh, and you can actually help us to help to to guide us in what ways we can make that card much more useful for you. We've got a lot of plans. If you are a creator or if you are a collector as well, you will be able to use the card uh, to your benefit then use the dust to your benefit, either as a creator or as a collector. So I think what we, what this project is, is, uh, is a slow burning long-term project. And now our community understands it completely for which we are very, very, very much uh, grateful. So I think it is something that you may want to get into now and uh, and ideally, potentially enjoy it for a long time. All right. Mark, do you have any uh, final words for us? 
Yeah, I just, uh, from my point of view, we're, we're at a stage now where we're very excited about the, the gene public sale going live. The, the thing we're, we're struggling with is, is getting people into the team. And uh, I saw a tweet today, but I think it was Tetranode saying about it's amazing how many people on crypto Twitter are scientists. If you are a scientist in the crypto Twitter space or the crypto space, please come and join the genomes.io Discord. Come and talk to us if you're a bioinformatician. We'd love to employ you. Uh, it's much more fun than academia, maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm just an appeal to the, the scientists. And if you're uh, interested in the space in general and data privacy and ethics, uh, join the Discord. All right. Well, thank you very much to both of you for taking the time today. And uh, I'm looking forward to get my genome sequenced and to win a CryptoPunk and then sequence the punk genome and see. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Much appreciated. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.